Welcome to the We Are Curio podcast, hosted by co-founders Jason and Hilary DeMeo. We Are Curio is a creative studio built for pioneers and innovators. This podcast is a space dedicated to learning from and celebrating the creators who are expanding what's possible in our world. Each one of our interviews follows the AIDA process, immerse, expand, design, and act and will expose you to unique perspectives and stories that have the power to transform your creative practice. Our mission is to expand the creativity of every individual, organization, and project we engage, and we hope that each interview leaves you encouraged and equipped to do the work ahead of you. We believe that you have the power to create the future. Let's do this. And by the way, my dad is named Jason Richard Demain. My mom is Hillary K. And I know the thing. It's easy. So come on and be. Yeah, yeah. What do I like to play? You got it. Heart doctor, princess, spies, scientist. And I also do really like to play ninjas. Well, that's it for now. I'll keep rocking with you. Well, welcome back to episode two. We're so excited that we got to launch our podcast. And um, today we're going to have our great friend with us, Travis Mason. He um, is a former Google X employee and a creative at Airbus and just honestly a really awesome human. He's full of so much empathy and kindness, a great conversationalist, and so mm-hmm. has become a really great friend of our families, mine, Jason, and honestly, Ellie. She and him might, uh, he might be her favorite. And so <laughs> we we are just excited and honored to have him to share with you all today. So, um, Jay, what's what's going on in your world? What's keeping you creative? What are you What are you reading? What are you doing? What's going on? Well, I'm painting a lot. Yes. Uh, so I have a series called The Color of Dreaming I'm working on right now. Um, just finished a small world painting with uh, Sleeping at Last, yeah, which that was, was a really ton cool. of fun. So um, I've been just been in this new kind of painting lane of pouring the mm. paint and using different colors, and uh, I'm just really loving it. So that's what's up right now um I, i'm loving the the pouring you did make me this beautiful yep, I made flower you. uh painting and yep. so check out jspace.art on yes, instagram and you yes. can see but the pouring is so needed how yeah. it all just like it becomes something so unique on every pour so you're, yep. you're always creating something cool i'm loving it uh what's going on in your world right now well, I'm continuing to try to help my our child be ready for school starting <laughs> kindergarten. You're doing great. So I'm trying try my best there. Um, I am really have gotten into Pilates, and so I'm loving doing Pilates outside. And then I am reading a book called The Choice by Dr. Eager, um, Ava Edgar, and it's she is a Holocaust survivor, and it is really just helping me connect deeply to who I truly am. Yeah. Um, and just walking through the choices that we make in our minds are up to us regardless of what's happened in life. So I encourage you to check it out. Um, she was in, it was like one of Oprah's book clubs and, uh, but it, it's just a really powerful, beautiful story um, and a great time to, to read it. Yep. You're also part of our class. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was really fun. We um, just launched our, and our innovation course and on the the canvas. Yeah. On the canvas. And so the innovation canvas course, and we did that in collaboration with Q conference and also we'll make it available to you all as well, but it was just fun recording it with you, (laughs) some late night fun sessions. Oh my gosh. That's keeping me creative. I can be, I mean, I had to uh, thank shout out to Derek Forehand, yes. uh, our uh, creative guy, for helping me just think through audio, video, lighting, uh, everything. I have to do it all. Yeah, because uh, we we're, we're quarantining hard so, hardcore here. I mean, it, it really I, it, it it energized me because now I feel like I just upgraded all of my just areas of creativity, and I think the bleed o- over of those creative disciplines always helps. So I'm loving that. Well, uh, let's get into this interview. All right. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy. All right. Well, uh, welcome back to the We Are Curio podcast. We have uh, Travis Mason with us, uh, our friend. You're first up, man. We said, who do we want on the podcast who's innovative, who's amazing? And we thought, just you're the guy. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. No pressure at all. Um, 
the first time I, I ever uh, saw Travis, I think I told you this story, was um, at Plywood Conference. You spoke at Plywood, I think. And uh, I was like, man, this guy's different. He's at Google X. He's just doing like innovative, cool stuff. And I just, you were the only speaker I remember from that. And I was like, man, I just love to meet this guy. And now, now you <laughs> now come over friends. to my house. So this yeah. is now our friend. This yeah. is great. So, yeah, it's really cool. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are. Uh, we know you, and uh, but a lot maybe some of our viewers don't, or viewers, listeners don't. Uh, share a little bit about who you are, maybe where you're from, um, maybe some of the work you've done uh, in the past or that you're working on now. Just tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I'll start with the story. I suck at stories, but I'll try to I'll try to incorporate them a little a little bit more. Um, I was at a rehearsal uh, about this time last year. And I was in Chicago uh, in this huge, big black box that sits on the river in Chicago. And it's a convention center. It's huge. Um, and I was actually in the um, in the main stage and there were people moving everywhere, kind of getting ready for what we were we were, we were rehearsing for. And it wasn't a unusual uh, sort of uh, environment for me because I grew up doing music. I grew up as a classically trained pianist and vocalist. Mm -hmm. So I've been on stages from the time I was in like elementary school all the way up to college. So it's really cool to be back home. Um, but it was unusual or special in the sense that this was one of the first times that I've been on such a huge stage and I wasn't there to perform. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. uh, it was one of the biggest uh, kind of screens that I'd ever seen, biggest stages that I'd ever been in. And uh, about a couple months before being on that stage, I got an email uh, from a group called AVSI. Uh, and they said, hey, we want you to host our annual conference. And I said, mm -hmm. um, you know, do you want me to like interview someone? Do you want me to uh, <laughs> like speak for five minutes? What do you mean by hosting? And they're like, no, we want you to host the whole thing. And it was a true honor because AVSI is the largest um, conference in the world and most comprehensive for autonomous and robotics uh, sort of uh, technologies. Uh, it is a, a staple in our industry. And so they asked me to MC or host the whole thing. And so here I am at this rehearsal and it was special because it wasn't, you know, as I mentioned, be because of music or uh, acting that I'd done in the past. It was really because of uh, the time that I had spent really in the autonomous uh, kind of robotics industry and being recognized to do yeah. that. So I, um, I, I took on a few days to host this conference to MC, And the interesting part about it was that every day that I finished, I'd stay in the dressing room or backstage for another hour after we finished. Not because I was like prima donna, but really because um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm an introvert. Um, and so yeah, yeah. outside of that theater and having people like say, hey, oh, you did such a great job today or... Um, or, hey, you were the guy on the stage is like super uncomfortable <laughs> for me. Uh, I remember yeah. one guy on the you know floor. He said, hey, man, have you ever have, have you ever got the comment that you look like Usher? I'm like, Usher? That's <laughs> like, like, dude, that's so. I can see it. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but I, I think that moment this time last year uh, in Chicago is a snapshot of who I am. I'm a creative guy. Mm -hmm. I've been. Mm -hmm. uh I've done sound. I've done lighting for shows since I was in <laughs> elementary school. I've also been a performer. I love technology um, and have spent uh, my career being around some of the most most advanced spaces on the planet. And I'm an introvert that is probably faking mm -hmm. it as an extrovert. I think a lot of people think <laughs> I like being out there. But at the end of the day, I need some time to really swallow and think about uh, kind of what I'm seeing in the world. So um, that that uh, really embodies who I am. I've spent um, time at Google, Google X, Booz Allen Hamilton, a big consulting firm, and most recently Airbus, um, really shaping emerging technologies from the perspective of the rules that are are there to approve and ensure that those markets really grow. Uh, and there are rules everywhere. And so I've had the fortunate time of, of really spending my, uh, my career on rules and policies and laws and regulations that shape future emerging technologies. And a lot of that work can't be done you know, when the technologies show up. They have to be done much earlier when the technology is being designed, uh, being intended and imagined. Um, and so that's my, 
that's my, um, you know, that's my background. And at the same time, yeah. I'm, I'm a creative. Uh, so I watch a lot of shows. I play my keyboard, which is to the left of me right now all the time. And uh, I miss being on the stage from a, just a performing perspective because creativity is really who I am. I love that. That's what I think. I mean, we're going to talk about this next question. What makes you a curio? But just to affirm that, what makes you unique? What makes you different? Like just this ability to to do music and to do rules, but there's rules inside of music and to oh, yeah, be yeah. down. We're just at Art Basel together. We're, mm-hmm. we're talking art. Real like uh, Renaissance man uh, you are, Travis. And I think that's, that's really interesting. Another word maybe I would uh, categorize you as is a polymath. Mm-hmm. Someone who just oh, has this you. ability to span disciplines and bring interesting perspectives to them. So, um, man, it's just, it's really neat to see you thriving, um, even in this space of aeronautics and rules and things that you wouldn't think a creative person who was a performer, a singer, actor, these things might be good at. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe talk to a little bit about that question. What makes you a curio? How, how are you unique in this way and how have you thrived as this kind of unicorn type of creative, but also left-brained person? So when I met you guys and I saw the name of the business, I was like, what is Curio? Uh, and I was like, maybe it's curious without the us. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah. and then I Googled and it was like Hilton Curio collection. And I was like, oh, I know, so, right? Uh, I, they're taking your brand, man. They did. Um, I had it first. So <laughs> I expect some sort of royalties yes. or I don't know. <laughs> but I, I looked it up and, uh, you know, I found just through Google, it says a rare, unusual or intriguing object. And, yep. um, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I don't like compliments on myself or anything like that because mm-hmm. I'm a combination of all the great people in my life who have shaped right. me, even some of the people that I didn't like so much, um, who have shaped <laughs> who I am. Uh, so I don't take credit for anything. But I, I, I would agree that I'm a bit unusual. Um, my yeah. birthday is next month. And about a couple years ago, I had a, I decided to, to do a birthday party, which is unusual for an introvert, um, especially the <laughs> birthday party that I had of his size. But my friends were really encouraging me. And the beauty of that birthday party was it was so many of just the different types of people in my life. Um, I had my brother there who's crazy. Um, and, but in a good way and, and has no filters. Um, and, and he's sitting there talking to a guy and a gal at the white house who leads technology policy for the president. Um, and I'm like in the corner scared, like, what's my brother saying? Like, Oh my God, let me get over and rescue both of them. Um, and then I had, I had some mentors. I had a friend there who, who is a pastor, a couple friends who are pastors and I have friends there who are agnostic or atheist, you know, it's kind of, it was an unusual mix of people, but as I stood in the corner, kind of looking at everyone laugh with each other and enjoy their time, um, it made me smile because it was beautiful. Despite the difference, Mm -hmm. it was beautiful. And I I think that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, who God has made me, what, what my, Mm -hmm. what my secret weapon is. And it's taken me some time to get comfortable with that because people don't like unusual because they don't understand it. They want to be far away from yep. it as possible. They like it if it is like, you know, going up to get an, an Academy Award or a Tony. It's like, oh, yeah, right, this person's right. unusual and it's cool, you know? But yeah. outside of that, we don't want to be attached to unusual. So that moment and, and that snapshot really uh, kind of talks to who I am and what I bring to the table. Um, you know, I've worked on some unusual technologies, everything from, uh, smart contact lenses to uh, airborne wind turbines and and the policies that are around those sorts of things. Unusual technologies brought together unusual teams and approaches to solve for some of the problems they um, that they have. And I would say it's probably one of my weaknesses. I have unusual care. I care about things that that um, I probably shouldn't yeah. spend as much time caring about. Um, but I think that's beautiful too when you're both hurt. And encouraged by what you are, um, you know, what you care for. Um, I think that's the dance of, of, of just loving yeah. something and being passionate. 
That's Definitely. so cool. I was going to say one of my favorite things about you is you are such an empathetic person. Like you have such deep empathy for the the rules you're trying to work on or the problems you're trying to solve. And I think that's what makes you really um, unique and just a special person. And I love anytime you're down staying with us. It's kind of like fun Uncle Travis is here with Ellie. She just has like such <laughs> a love. And, and interest because yeah. she just you you're it's you have an ability yeah. to take super mm-hmm. complex ideas like a flying car and make it um, tangible for a five year old and not only just to understand it but to be intrigued by it and want to like wow we can do this and so your <laughs> your imagination and empathy is just really neat like when I think of a design thinker you really are that you hold such attention of like this art and science and empathy like so well and so I. I love that about you. It's it's always so fun to have have dinner conversations with Travis. You never know what you're going to get. It's fun. <laughs> Ellie is is uh, she's so sweet. She's brilliant, um, and I really <laughs> can't wait to see what she turns into and uh, what gifts she gives back to the world. Because I think it's going to be cool. Um, she taught me about the oceans, things I didn't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I like found myself googling and learning even more. So. Uh, I think yeah. that's somebody who's special who can who can push you to learn things that you really didn't know that you cared about. Seriously, she yeah. teaches us so much. Absolutely, I think she's the favorite part of the podcast. So she'll she has snippets on here as well. So people love love her. Oh, that's cool. All right, well, that is the immerse phase of the process. Yeah. Uh, we are going to move into expand. So Travis, what are you exploring right now um, as a pioneer and creator of an, or as an innovator? What's really like getting your attention? What are you uh, passionate about? What are you exploring right now? So uh, I hate bad rules. I've hated them since <laughs> I've been a kid. Um, I've hated them since I've been a musician because I'm a gospel jazz musician. So sometimes when people throw out the rules to a jazz artist, or gospel artists, <laughs> they can relate because they get the rules. They understand everything about the rules, but they also want to break them because yeah. what they're trying, the art they're trying to create doesn't enable for those rules to both exist and the art to exist. Um, or the rule needs to exist in a new way for the art form to actually have space. So I've been spending a lot of my thinking over the last two years about rules. You guys have helped me with some of that mm-hmm. thinking. Um, and they're everywhere. Uh, And I think a situation like COVID uh, and the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. which we find ourselves in, really reminds us that rules are everywhere. I mean, overnight, everyone from the grocery store manager to the person who's managing the gym to the person who's trying to figure out what to do with a a community of 200 units in a building uh, to a family who has kids, they've had to think about, well, now that the world has changed so much, what are the rules that we need to put in place to ensure that we stay safe? My family stays safe. The people yeah. in my building stay safe. So rules are everywhere. And COVID is just like one dot on the, yeah. the graph of the, I mean, there are rules for building your car, rules for building buildings, rules for, you know, the bandwidth that is now responsible for my mm. voice going over uh, the internet and back to the servers that are enabling this conversation. Um, Rules are everywhere. And the funny thing about them is we're so bad at making them when they no longer work. When something new shows up like COVID, I think COVID is another reminder of when change happens, we are are very starved to create new rules very quickly. And so a lot of my thinking have been around this fact that rules in our world are God's small, you know, caps that they run a lot of aspects of our, our, our lives. And no matter how angry we get about things like gun control and civil rights and rights for the underserved population or um, the under-resourced population, we won't do anything. We can march to a blue in the face, but we won't do anything worth of, of value until those rules are changed. Wow. And yeah. mm-hmm. um, that is what I've spent my career on. And my career mostly has been on things related to the future flying cars, advanced medical devices, robotics, um, things where the rules need to get created now because otherwise both the technology can't get approved, but the the market itself can't grow if the rules aren't in place. Um, And so I've been spending a lot of my time thinking about that, thinking about what my contribution to that could be. 
Uh, and I think mm-hmm. I've concluded that we don't need more ideas about what the right rules should be, but we need better rule makers. We need better uh, folks with yeah. a better capacity to come up with these rules and imagine what these rules ought to be. I was going to, just as an aside real quick, just, you don't have to get political on this take, but what are your thoughts on COVID? Like, have has the U.S. handled it well? Has I know yeah. you're interested not just the U.S. but globally mm-hmm. how different uh, you know governments have handled it. Anything that just uh, as an aside you you'd want to add to how rules are being made right now around COVID? So one of my first jobs when I was at my first company was working on the response to H1N1 swine flu. Mm. Um, and I was in the in the thick of that uh, external as a consultant, um, but I I got to see how the world thinks about hazards, uh, how the world ought to plan about hazards, and yeah. it you know everyone's going to come with their opinions about what stuff went you know what went wrong, and sometimes I don't think you can quite fully prepare for certain things, um, but right. the realization is that we were not prepared at all, just as a society. Mm on the level of working together. I mean, and you can see this from state mm-hmm. and federal to country by country mm-hmm. to the World Health Organization, that we do have mechanisms in place to coordinate and, and work together when, uh, when, when old things no longer are actually our life anymore and when new things show up. Yeah. Um, but we don't, we don't do too well uh, at that. So um, I hope this is a, a moment that reminds us that together we're stronger because, you know, COVID knows no boundaries. You know, it's not like, oh, let me stop. I'm at the border of Maryland. Oh, let me stop. There's an ocean between me being in the UK and the US. Like we're, yeah. we're already connected. And I mean, the, the truth is the, the disease spread because we're connected. We're connected right, more than right. we, we understand. But I hope that recognition uh, ends up making us work together more strongly just to solve problems. Um, because without that, you know, we'll, we'll solve it in one country and we won't solve it everywhere. And I don't think that's fair for both our intelligence as a, as a, a people to address problems, but it's also not fair for the folks who aren't, you know, privileged and in government and who have money and who really are able to wrap their heads around some of this, because that's a whole population of people that don't quite understand what's going on. Um, they may not ever understand what's going on. Kids don't understand what's going on. They may not ever understand what this is, but it's unfair right. for to them that we, that we can't get our, our acts together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's definitely a, a time that requires a lot of just deep thinking and innovation and reflection. I know it's been, um, I've really tried to use it um, for myself in that way and just really how has life changed and explaining it to Eliana and in, internalizing it for myself. So yeah, those are definitely really agree with that. Um, so Travis, we talk a lot about this idea of influence guides, um, somebody who really shapes or impacts uh, something that you, your life or a project, your career. Um, who is somebody that you would consider an influence guide in your life? I, I bet you have a, quite a few. Yeah, I know I you, know. you believe in mentors <laughs> and mentoring people. That's a huge part of you. Um, but if you could narrow it down to just a couple uh who is a really an influence guide in your life? Yeah, yeah. So aside from my mentors, who I want to shout out because they probably hate it, and my ment- my mentees, yeah. they may like it, but I, I would probably not, <laughs> I might not be called cool because they keep the cool in my life. But um, I do an annual plan every every year. Um, just something that a mentor has taught me and encouraged me. And each one of my objectives has a master or masters attached to it, and those are people that I believe dead or living Mm. that really encompass that objective so that I could look at. Um, And I'll give you two of them. One is Anne Lamont. Uh, So Anne Lamont's a writer. Uh, She's amazing. There's a book called Bird by Bird um, that I love. love Um, And and she's amazing because she never loses herself in the context of what she's doing. Uh, And that's the lesson I get from her. No matter which book you pick up, it may be instructive. It, she may be trying to get you to a point, but it's it's really all about her, her observations, her life, um, uh, the the grace that she wants to give to the life that she's built and the people around her. Um, and so uh, I, I just love, like sometimes I'll just be in my office and I'm working and I'll put on YouTube videos of her being interviewed. And even in her interview, she's not wearing a a, a, a suit or a jumpsuit. She's not formal. She's just herself. 
And she's talking yeah. about her life, her kids, her church. And that just reminds me that at the end of the day, it's not about what you do or what the world considers you to be. It's about who you are um, mm-hmm. when, when you go to bed uh, and when you wake up and you see the people in your lives who, who really care about you. She's one. Um, another person I'll call out um, uh, is probably T.D. Jakes. Um, setting yeah. aside any issues that folks may have listened to this for, for his like theological points <laughs> or opinions. Um, I'm open to hearing that, by the way. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I love this guy because he started out as a young kid in the woods of Virginia preaching to trees, like literally trees mm-hmm. in the forest. And he's turned into a guy who not only preaches, but he's producing. He's a he's an artist. He's a producer. And I had the opportunity yeah. of meeting him a couple times and I lost my lid both times uh, <laughs> just because I, I couldn't really articulate how much I appreciated having him and uh, being yeah. a distant leader in my life. So I think um, those two folks what a dynamic. Are, yeah. yeah, he's dynamic. Those two folks are are people that I look at uh, for lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. I love that. Which goes back to what makes you a curio. You picked Anne Lamont and TD Jakes. I know, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they share some sense of uh, similarities, <laughs> yes. but uh, across the spectrum, I love that They're so both much. Probably really grounded in who they are, yeah, which yeah. I think yeah. Travis really like strives to be that as a person. And so, <laughs> yeah, I think that's so important. Um, I just have had a lot of time to reflect on my influence guides as well. I'm starting to build my influence wall in our own house. And I'm just really trying to find um, just people. I love too that you had a female and a male. I love that. Um, But it's just really, I think people who are just deeply rooted in who they are and unapologetic about it. And I think for me, I'm trying to find, come to a place of just acceptance of that and just owning who Hillary really is. And so I love that, Travis. I feel like you give people space to really be who they are because you are really becoming grounded in, in yourself. And so, yeah, I, I connect deeply with that as well. I love the idea of masters too. Yeah, just, just that cool. language. I'm I'm like a a freak about the Bauhaus. I don't know if you yeah. are familiar with the German movement. Yeah, well, I read about it all the time, and they just always had they brought masters in to to teach the people around. So like that idea is very Bauhausy to kind of think about who are the masters yeah. in my life. Um, we call them influences, but I like that idea of master too. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a cool. Yeah, that's great. Well, cool. Well, uh, that's the expand phase. So let's move into design. All right. Um, Well, Travis, we talk a lot about design with our company. We do a lot of design projects. um, And the biggest thing about design to me is prototyping and testing. We talk Mm -hmm. a lot about that, that, you know, don't wait to launch your product way out uh, far into the future, um, but test it, prototype it, get some feedback. So uh, just wanted to hear maybe a couple, uh, maybe a prototype that you've done. I'm sure you've, you've run tons of prototypes um, <laughs> uh, that have been a success. But then also we want to hear one that uh, maybe didn't go as uh, expected, maybe a failure, and maybe what you learned from that. So uh, just kind of take that idea of prototypes, a success and a failure, and uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, one prototype that I had an opportunity to work on that was crazy uh, because, you know, I go to Chipotle. I've been going to Chipotle before. <laughs> Chipotle was like big Chipotle. Um, <laughs> and I mean, the stock price of Chipotle right now is like in the 800s. It's crazy. Um, yeah. And so I was at a meeting at work when I was at Google X and we were trying to figure out like, who should we run this partnership with? And we decided to run it to, with Chipotle. So here we are delivering uh, burritos to students at Virginia Tech um, <laughs> via drone, um, which is <laughs> wow, really cool. cool, which is really amazing. But it wasn't like a normal delivery process. It was really clunky in some respects, only because the rules uh, that the FAA had laid down uh, didn't allow for you to kind of, when you imagine getting a drone <laughs> to deliver a burrito for you, you would imagine like something <laughs> carefree. You wouldn't really imagine what actually happened that day or a few days that we did. Yeah. It. Um, and it worked. It was successful. So much so that that is where Google is right now or the alphabet company called Wing delivering food to the community in Blacksburg. And the the uh, given COVID and coronavirus, the demand on that service yeah. has skyrocketed. Um, and I, I mentioned that story not only because it's really cool uh, and it was a re- memorable moment in my professional career, 
but because it was hard to get uh, to that, mm. n- that prototype, there were all sorts yeah. of things we had to negotiate. Uh, there, were, there were site visits upon site visits and getting to Blacksburg from DC is a bit of a trip. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, but there were great people there, great community. You had to figure out kind of what were the limitations from the uh, from the agency perspective, you had to figure out all those sorts of things uh, in order to come out with a clean process that is now a real business yeah. in uh, in Blacksburg, Virginia. So it's it's really a reminder that you have to go inch by inch, that you have to yeah. build prototypes first. It doesn't have to be beautiful. And I can tell all yep. sorts of stories about what it looked like. You can <laughs> probably find articles, but it wasn't a beautiful process at the beginning, and now it's a lot more beautiful than when it when it started. So that, from to That's me, cool. is the lesson. Did it, did you go into it as more like a kind of marketingy, gimmicky thing, or was this like we want to like shift delivery to this as a viable option? So uh, I think whenever whenever Silicon Valley does something, there is a there is a percentage of marketing in it, <laughs> um, yeah, right. you know, because there's just, there's just a lot of competition and whatnot. Um, plus, you have to make it worth it for the consumer. But in this sense, the goal was to build a system that had some demand and that could get some throughput through, throughput so that we could learn. We could learn about yeah. Yeah, uh, so you know, what that process looks like. Um, and there was, I can tell you, there were lots of sort of analyses on, you know, drone delivery. Uh, when you think about the future, it's an obvious business. I, I won't argue with anyone yeah. on that. The question is though, what are you delivering? Are you delivering burritos? Are you mm. delivering groceries? Right. Are you delivering, are you the stork? Are you delivering heavy things? Are you delivering light things? You know, are you yeah. delivering toxic things or non-toxic things? So there's all sorts of questions that went into that that prototype that we had to answer. So it, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't marketing. There was a lot of thinking around that. And I think, you know, if you look at the drone delivery business over the next few years in China, in Europe, in the US, you'll start to see people gravitate towards food uh, and perishables yeah, yeah. and shipping because the demand is there. And it's a really complex problem. Uh, I'll take a, another quick, you know, sidebar and say, to deliver something and keep it hot when it's in the air. Problem. Yeah. Right. To deliver right. something that's liquid mm-hmm. and not a solid is a problem and something you have yeah. to solve. And how do you solve that in a way where you don't have 50 boxes for the type of thing you're delivering, but you have one box? Um, yeah. So there were all sorts of lessons that, that was learned in that experience that I look back and I smile on. Really grateful for that team. They've now grown and they're doing amazing things. Um, but that was, you know, something in my professional experience that I had a part in and a role in playing. That's cool. Anything uh, you, you you launched and you felt like, man, that did not go as planned. <laughs> um, any any funny story or not funny story? <laughs> so I'll tell a COVID story. Um, my, oh, no. <laughs> my, my, te- my team at Airbus, uh, and it's there's so much going on around COVID. And so this this pales into comparison of what folks are, you know, kind of dealing with from a family perspective and all that. But we uh, we realized that everyone's talking about flying cars. Everyone's showing these cute vehicles. Everyone's pulling out a, a picture of the future. And by the way, there are 200 plus organizations that are working on flying cars around the world. That's a lot of people wow. thinking about flying cars. There are some flying around the world, flying in China right now. Uh, we had uh, Airbus at the time. We had one autonomous flying car flying and being tested. Uh, many flight hours on that vehicle, so it's coming. Uh, you know, mm. I hope people listen to this in ten years and they're like, "Who cares about flying cars? <laughs> it's just normal." Um, right, but, right. But we had this project that looked at all that, and we realized that we were getting phone calls from every, almost every city on the planet. Hey, we want to bring this here. What can we do? No one knew what it's actually going to take to build a flying car business because there are a lot of mm-hmm. details. It's not just about the vehicle. It's about where you're going to land, security around that, how the people mm-hmm. uh, you know, accept this sort of thing, noise, all these issues. And so we built a really robust handbook, a five-year handbook for cities who want to make their city uh, ready for flying car projects. Um, and it was shelved because of COVID. 
Um, and because wow. we didn't we didn't want to release that at a time where the world was really struggling with something in the now. And so my hope is that the company releases that at some point. But I know other people are working on those sorts of things. But that was a that was a prototype to to dream about the details, not about the dream. Yeah, because every dream takes something, you know, really detailed. It's kind of like, you know, every dream has a Walt Disney and then every dream has a Roy Disney. <laughs> you know, and you need yeah, both. You right, need both. Right. If you don't have both That's Walt totally and true. Roy, you you don't yep. have Disney World. You don't have the Disney Company. That's so true. I love that, and and just this idea that prototypes don't have to be like sparkling successes to be successes that you can learn from. That you can say, "Oh, I learned from this that I'm going to now add to this project over here." Um, so I think it just becomes almost like a way of creating that you're just you're you're constantly prototyping, you're constantly moving things forward, and um, super interesting examples. Totally. Just encourage our listeners too that as in this time, even with COVID, it's like yeah, do some of these small so prototypes, true. do them from home, do them with your business. It's like we have we have a lot more to lose if we aren't prototyping so right true. now. And so it's like, let's be risk takers and pioneers and, and do some of these prototypes and see what happens. Because honestly, there's so much unknown. There's, you know, maybe revenue that you didn't think was going to come in this way. But if you prototype another way, it's like, honestly, yep. these next few months is a perfect time to prototype because we we're already right. have so much risk on the line just in reality. So just encourage people, if there's a prototype in your heart that you're like, man, I always wondered what would happen if I went for this. Like, yeah. why not? What better time than now to just see what could possibly happen? So I know that's something that we're trying to really um, position ourselves and just keep that mindset going. I love it. Well, that is the design phase. Let's uh, move into act. All right. All right, Travis, we're going to jump into the act phase and we do five quick hit questions. And so our first question is, what is changing your life right now? This is a good question. I just came from this retreat uh, uh, in the midst of COVID. I was a a retreat of pastors. I don't know why they invite me, but I get invited. Um, And uh, it was interesting to see because COVID had changed everything. Coronavirus had changed everything. And in the midst of that, they were going through essentially changing church while they were at a retreat, you know, having to deal with that change while they were supposed to be away, getting fed, uh, getting some time away. And, and, and these guys were really uh, kind of weighty on what was going to happen post COVID and how that was going to change Sunday morning. So it was interesting to see and watch, but um, the more interesting thing of that retreat was we had a speaker and he had this quote from Don Quixote uh, that was interesting. And the quote says, look always forward for in last year's nest, there are no birds. And I mean, mm. that quote hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like someone threw a shoe and then a like chair and then, like, <laughs> you know, kind of just like hit me because, you know, it's tough looking back and it's natural looking back. It's natural looking back at what mm-hmm. you had, how fun it was, how amazing it was. And it's scary to look forward because you don't have that ledge mm-hmm. to hang on of, of it yeah. being as secure and as, as, as amazing. And so I've really been thinking about what's next for me. Um, what can I do in the now to, uh, mm-hmm. to focus on ahead and not behind, um, you know, uh, there's another saying um, uh, by Marshall Goldsmith that says, basically, what got you here won't get you there. And what got yeah. you here matters, but what will get yeah, you there will be built on that, but it may not be that yeah. thing. Uh, so I've been yeah. really thinking about, like, what do I need to give up? What assumptions do I need to give up? Um, what wow. sort of relationships need to be um, uh, naturally repositioned so that I can go on to do my thing and really help that other person do their thing? Um, you know, what sort of uh, ways should I navigate my career that are not wedded to the old nest? You know, how can I move mm. forward uh, and, and progress? Because uh, that is, you know, that is, in my opinion, um, what makes us human is not not because we're able to exist, but we're able to imagine what could happen next. And we're able to yeah. like focus and 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 move towards that. So so leaving Airbus, trying to figure out what I'm doing next. Uh, is really something that's been central to to what I've been up to as of late. 
Yeah, that's great. Such a such a good encouragement. Um, what do you? Which book do you wish that every reader would listen to? Or read? Um, or, sorry, depending, depending or, on, yeah, I listen. Yeah, I'm or read. I didn't even realize I said that. Yeah, I listen to books. Um, listen to books. But I can't. I, can't, I do. Okay. Well, I can't yeah. do audio books unless it's like the author of my favorite people re- reading it. But often it's like a, yeah. you know, often it's oh, like yeah. a machine reading and I'm like freaked out. I can't. I cannot handle it if they're not the author. Yes. Um, but okay. So listen to or read. You know, people still read books. I guess. I love. I love reading because um, I can write in, in the in the uh, margins. Yes. But I talked about Anne Lamont. And Anne Lamont is is cool. I have another woman that I really look up to, Whoopi Goldberg. She's also amazing. Oh, yeah. I have a, a crush on Whoopi Goldberg. Um, if, <laughs> uh, but Bird by Bird by, what'd you say? Is she single? I, I don't know if Whoopi's single. Um, you know, Whoopi, <laughs> Whoopi is kind of private, so you never know what Whoopi's up to. Um, <laughs> but Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont is one of my favorite books. It's on writing. And it's centered yep. around the story of her brother having to get done with a book report uh, that he had for three months and it was due the next day. And so they're at their cabin and she's telling the story and everyone feels the pressure of getting this book report done. It's due the next day. Her dad puts uh, his arm around the brother and he says to the brother who had to do this book report on birds, uh, due the next day, he said, son, bird by bird, bird by bird. Um, and it's funny because it's like, dad, geez, man, like way to make a joke about my bird, you know, uh, book report. Right, right. But it's also comforting because it's like, you know, inch by inch, moment by moment, word by word, sentence by sentence, you'll get this done. And so take the enormity of the problem and really yeah. focus on where you are right now. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's the lesson for me um, in this book is like, you know kind of set aside the hugeness of what we're going through right now and focus on what we can focus on. Yes, I totally agree with that. We, I, we, I do expect a bird metaphor for the third question too, since yes. you're two for two on bird <laughs> metaphors. Ne- <laughs> yes, that's awesome. So if you had a magic wand, um, it could be big or small, but what would you change right now? I would change right now that most people don't know what policy is. When people ask me mm-hmm. about my job and I work on policy, they're like, what's that? I mean, are you like, do you like kiss babies and shake hands? Are you working with senators? I'm like, no, it's actually much right. more than that. Policies and rules define <laughs> our entire lives. And I think mm-hmm. we're we're managed or we're um, manipulated by our own indifference um, because we have so many mm-hmm. data points about when people wake up um, and when people work together. Uh, governments change and rules change and perspectives change. Uh, uh, society and our whole trajectory as a people changes. So what I would change if I had a magic wand is that more people would care about the rules and the policies that that really shape their everyday lives. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You definitely have given me such a perspective and a thought. We'll be we'll share something like, oh, Travis told us this. Travis told us <laughs> that. So thank Thank you for that. Well, right now, I know we all have a lot of time on our hands. So uh, what are you, what's at the top of your, is it net first? Is it Netflix or Hulu? So what's your go-to? Or I mean, Amazon. Or yeah, Amazon, or Amazon or Prime. Quibi is or, new. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Apple you're you're plus, innovative. You probably Disney already plus, have that all downloaded. So Quibi. Yeah. Is Quibi a thing? Is it Quibi good? is a thing. You, it's, it's good. It's good to me. And I've watched a couple shows. Um, I, I would say like, I'm obsessed with television. It's a secret about me. Um, anytime <laughs> I go speak, uh, anywhere to like a group of students, or I get invited somewhere, uh, you know, humbly, I, I, I start off the talk, not about me, but just asking people like, Hey, what are you watching? And literally people will go yeah, around yeah. the room and everyone's taste is different, but nine times out of 10, I know the show because I watch so yeah. much stuff. Um, uh, so I, I watch everything. And probably what, what's interesting to me right now is I think 10 years ago, plus we were in this zone of like reality TV and reality TV yeah. was mostly manufactured. But now we're in this right. zone of like TV shows that are like overly manufactured emotion. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, um, I'm blanking on the name of the show, but, you know, a million little things. You have uh, little fires everywhere. 
Um, and you have these shows that are just like where the emotion of us being different people are like basically concentrated in one episode or in 10 episodes. And they're so, there's such a heart tug. I mean, they're on every network. Um, And so those shows are really inspiring me because I think they're a little overblown, but they really remind me that emotions exist and we have to hold on to them. We have to use them. Um, That, you know, conflict is real and you have to know how to resolve it and deal with it and that we hurt each other and that you have to be sensitive to um, to that. You can't be so focused on building and innovating and being a leader that you care more about the thing you're building and the thing you're innovating than the people around that yeah. thing. I mean, those shows have reminded me that we do so much collateral damage to each other. And it's important that we just remember that we're, we matter more to each other than that thing. Like, you know, the world is falling apart. Climate change happens not because we are you know, spraying pollutions in the air. Yeah, that we get that. But really, we stopped caring about each other because if we cared about each other, we wouldn't practice some of the things that we're doing that, that would kill this environment for the person that's, yeah. you know, miles and, and miles on the other side of the world. So mm-hmm. uh, for me, um, you know, I love those shows and they have been really inspiring me. They're at the top of my watch list right now. I love that. Can you give me one? What's one show our listeners should should watch if they're just like, man, I need a new show to binge? What What would you recommend? Um, Little Fires Everywhere. I just finished it. Carrie Washington, okay. I, I, Reese is in it. Is it on Netflix or Hulu? Uh, where is it? It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. I forget what Hulu. network it's on. Um, but yes. it's it's again another great reminder that there's so much yeah. difference between us, so much story behind who we are why we do what mm-hmm. we do and it's life is complicated and we can't yeah. fix that, that, you know, that complication by, you know, uh, mulling over it or, or looking over it. Uh, we really have to do it head on or else we, we create even more damage. So I love that show. Yeah. I can't wait to check it out. I need mm-hmm. some, I need some new, some new good ones. So, all right. Last question for the act is if you could challenge our listeners to do one thing, what would it be? Hmm. Show yourself some grace. Mm. That's good. Um, I love yeah. it. You know, this country wasn't yep. built overnight. Families aren't built overnight. Our dreams aren't built overnight. And one of the things I've been struggling with is just giving myself some grace to what is in my heart, what I'm trying to build. Uh, and who cares if someone beats you to the punch? There's so much out yeah. there. I mean, there's an Amazon, there's an Apple, there's a Google, there's a Disney, right, right. there's a Hulu, there's a HBO Max, uh, there's a Quibi. Yeah. There's there's enough room for you to figure it yeah. out and for you to create without the pressure of being, you know, uh, top dog. Um, there's one, That's two, great. three, four, five, and even those uh, five companies are ones in their own rights. So I think mm-hmm. um, I think just relieving yourself of the pressure of getting it done tomorrow, the pressure of yeah. it being perfect, the pressure of you being perfect, showing yourself a lot more grace is probably what I challenge um, some of the viewers to do. Yeah, that's, so that's incredible. Such a good reminder. So we'll end with this. Um, usually in our act phase, there there's a pitch that you have to give. Um, so we want to give all of our uh, guests an opportunity to pitch something. So it can be small, big, it can be something you're working on. Direct our listeners' attention towards something that you think is interesting or uh, that you care about right now. Is there anything that you want to pitch us on, Travis? Um, it goes back to rules. Uh, I think I would encourage the listeners to... Imagine what frustrates you the most. Likely behind yeah. that thing is a rule. Um, you know, anytime I read a story in the paper, uh, and it doesn't apply to everything, but it applies to most things, there is likely a rule behind every story, and uh, behind every rule is a story. And so I think it's important for us as we kind of build our families, build our organizations, build our teams. Um, think about the rules that surround those those organizations. I was at Google and I remember um, having a conversation about getting promoted. And uh, I came in, I did everything I thought I needed to do. I went to all the workshops on promotion and I came in and I sat down and they said, uh, you're not going to get the promotion because you don't sit at your desk enough. And I was like, man, that's crazy. 
because you built this hmm. whole you know, you built this whole company for people to sit on beanbags and to take naps in the yeah. nap pod and to chill out. So sitting at my desk now is like totally, totally contradicts that. But it was one of those unwritten rules that had been built in that process that I didn't understand, was never explained to me until it was too late and I couldn't yeah. act upon. And that frustration comes up in every corner of society because someone with power has not thought about the rules around them. So as you build your families and you know, teach your children, as you build your teams and teach the folks who follow you um, or your organizations, really think about the rules that are around that because they're probably frustrating someone. And if they're frustrating yeah, someone, okay. you have another problem on your hands. Mm-hmm. I love that and love the idea of creating space for people to talk about rules and how they impact. I think that's a really cool thing we're even finding with through COVID and um, just working with our clients is so many of the rules are out the window and it's actually okay because it's allowing them to think, wow, we can yeah. we can approach this um, from a totally different angle. And so I, I love that because rules also frustrate me um, too. And so I love the idea that everything can kind of be on the table and you can think about how this might deeply affect people and inviting people as a leader into those blind spots about how you might not realize those rules do affect people. I yeah. drives me nuts when there's no conversation around how this affects the third and fourth person down the line. And so mm -hmm. I love having a culture of appreciating rules and a conversation around rules. I think, I think that's so powerful and freeing, I think it's, um, it's so important. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being on, Travis. Thanks for uh, opening our minds about rules. Uh, we definitely think about them differently because of you. Mm -hmm. And hopefully our listeners do the same. Yes, yeah, so stay safe and stay healthy, friend. Keep dreaming. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, go to wearecurio.com or follow us on social media at wearecurio. We would love to help expand your creative potential. The four key ways we do that is through consulting, experiences, space and artifacts, and collaborating with our collective. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. Keep creating, friends. You're doing awesome. We'll turn you on.